Why don't everybody clap your hands to the Lord right now? Come on, why don't you really put your hands together just for a moment? I love you, Jesus. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? Open up your mouth. God, we glorify you today, Jesus. We're thankful for what we feel. God, I feel your presence in this place, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you want to, you can be seated for about a minute. I'm going to have you all stand in just a second. Um, The book of Exodus, chapter 7, the Bible says that they asked a question. They tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? And I just want to say at the very beginning of this, I'm thankful to be at a conference where there hasn't been one second where I've had to ask myself, is the Lord in this place or not? Is the Lord among us or not? But from the very beginning of this conference, I've felt the Lord. I've felt His Spirit. And I'm thankful for that today. I want to quickly... I won't be too long today with my preliminaries. I plan on being not super long-winded. But I want to give honor to the Lord. I'm thankful for His mercy and His grace on my life. Uh, I want to give honor to your pastor, his family. Love them very much. Appreciate their vision. Uh, Just like Brother Hurd, I've never preached here before, but I appreciate him having confidence in me enough to fill this spot. I want to quickly give honor. I believe my father and my mother are listening today. Um, unless they decided to do something else. If you are, I love you. And also, I've got all my brothers here today. And it's my oldest brother, my pastor. It's his birthday today. I think he's 53. Happy birthday to him. God, well, he's gone. Caleb and Benjamin and my sisters, Sarah and Chaney, and my nephews are here. Amen. Atlas and Cyrus, I love them. It's a good day for me. I got church family all over this house. Got friends all over this house. I'm just thankful to be here today. What do you say? We just have a little church this morning. Amen. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 29. I've only got one scripture today. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. says, Lo, this only have I found that God hath made man upright, but they, but man, hath sought out many inventions. Uh, Another translation says, They seek out many alternatives. The one I want to focus on today, the one that caught my attention, is there's uh, one version that says, but man hath sought out many replacements. I want to tell you today that we need God. We don't need a replacement for God. We need the presence of God. There's nothing else that can take the place of the presence of God fallen in a church service. So I'm going to be preaching for a few minutes on this subject, on this subject, replacing God, replacing God. Would you lift your hands just for a moment and help me pray? I wonder if it's appropriate if you could join up with your neighbor, grab their hand, put your arm around their shoulder, pray that if God's got a word for us today, pray that they would receive it. Uh, I believe today that God's reaching for some young people. Uh, I believe there's some of you that came needing a word from God. And I want to tell you, you don't have to leave this place the same way that you came in the name of Jesus. God, let your word go forth. Let it do that. Would you 
it was intended to do, God. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary, Lord. I don't want to get in the way of what you want to do in this place. I wonder if you could put your hands together one more time. I wonder if you could open up your mouth one more time and say, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You may be seated. If there has ever been a day and an age in which God is being replaced, I want to tell you, I believe it's the day that we're living in right now. Uh, when we think of someone or something taking the place of God, uh, probably we would think about an atheist who would shake his fist in the face of God and, and make a declaration and say that there is no God. Uh, maybe we would think about someone who would look at the creation of the world and all the things that we see today and claim it was nothing more than chance and nothing more than an accident that we're here today. But I want to tell you that there are Christians all over the world who have learned how to replace the presence of God. There are Pentecostals all over the world who have learned what it is to replace God. Uh, people all over the world on this Sunday, this weekend, they will gather into their churches and, and, and they will give of their time and they will give of their money. Uh, they will give of their ability and they will give of their effort, but uh, they really don't have any move of the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, they may read the Bible. There's some of them that probably uh, read their Bible more than some of us read our Bible. They may sing in the choir. Uh, they may be what the world would look at and say, that's a good person. But many of them gather into their churches and, and they don't have anything that really challenges them. And they don't have anything that really changes them. And, and there's nothing going on that only God can do. So many once powerhouses of the presence of God have turned and declined into nothing more that has, uh, than a place that has a form of godliness, but they don't have the power. Uh, I've been to churches as a very young man when I would go places with my dad. And I remember these churches, they, they had such an incredible move of God. Uh, they'd always have such a moving of the Spirit. And you can go ten years later and, and you realize something's gone. You realize there's something missing that uh, was once there. And, and churchgoers have learned what it is to replace the presence of God with other things. What a lot of churches have today are people... Who are trying to have church without God. They're trying to make it up with programs. They're trying to make it up with entertainment. Uh, uh, there are churches that have tried to replace God with, with choirs and entertainment. But I just want to tell you, if, if you're here and you know what it is to hide behind a shout, but you never know what it is to get down and dig out a prayer life, I want to tell you, that's a problem. If you can get up on a Sunday night and rejoice and shout, but you never know what it is to get off by yourself in a prayer closet and begin to pray. I want to tell you that's a problem where there is no prayer backing up your praise. That's a problem. Uh, I want to tell you today that praise that is not founded upon prayer is weak. Praise that is not rooted and grounded uh, in, in a walk with God, in a relationship with God. If I could say this today, it's shallow. Worship is not a substitute for a prayer life. 
Can I tell you what you're doing here today? What we've done these last few days in the house of God. We heard it last night. It's not enough just to get something in the house of God. It's what you do when you leave these doors. It's what you do when you get to your city. Has it really changed you enough to make sure you've got to walk with God? But worship, worship is good. Running the aisles is good. We've got to have it. I want to tell you that's part of what makes us who we are. The fact that we have enthusiastic praise and worship. Oh, I don't know that we'd fully be Pentecostal if it wasn't for that. But I want to tell you it is no substitute for getting off by yourself every once in a while and getting on your face and saying, God, you've got to renew me and the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've got to have shouting every once in a while and thank God for it. But if you want something that will keep you, you've got to get down on your face and dig out a relationship with God. The Bible says we've got to walk in the Spirit. It doesn't say only preachers need to walk in the Spirit. It does not say only your pastor, only the evangelists need to walk in the Spirit. But it says walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you want something that will keep you, let me encourage you today. Keep shouting, keep rejoicing, keep lifting your hands up. But make sure when you go home, you know how to pray. I want to tell you, we can't be satisfied with dead, ritualistic church. We can't be satisfied with just going through the motions. Never having God really change anything and really transform anything in our lives. And then we can't be satisfied like the Pharisees who even when Jesus came, they were so caught up in who they were that they didn't even realize who it was that was among them. Let me tell you, it wasn't just another man that was among them. It wasn't just a good teacher or a prophet, but it was he who was God manifest in the flesh. It was he who was just a in the spirit it was the God of the Old Testament who came to Bethlehem as a baby boy and became something he had never been before but did not cease to be everything that he had ever been it was the Alpha and the Omega the Lily of the Valley the bright and the morning star it was he Who Isaiah wrote about, you may be seated. When he said, his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. It was he who in the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 12, they were talking about when they said, neither is there salvation in any other. Because there's none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It was he who the Bible says that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord. But when he came into their midst, when he came into the midst of the Pharisees and religion, they were satisfied. Uh, They were happy with their religion. They were happy doing what they were doing. And they rejected the one who was prophesied that came to save them. I want to tell you, we can do the same thing. 
the presence of God wants to come down and interrupt our services, we better not be so assured that we stick to a program that that we don't let God do what he wants to do. I want to tell you, we can't be satisfied with dead ritualistic services. But every time we come to the house of God, there ought to be something on the inside of you that says, God, give us a raw move of the Holy Ghost. Give us a touch from heaven. But you can be satisfied to be in your local church and find your little seat on the pew, find your place and and be happy going through the same thing over and over again, week in and week out and going a long time without being broken before God. I want to tell you, it doesn't just happen to other denominations. It don't just happen to the Baptists or It don't just happen to the Catholics, but there are churches all over the world that on the outside, they may say the words apostolic and Pentecostal, but what they really should say is Ichabod, because the glory of the Lord has departed from that place. I want to tell you, we can't be comfortable. We can't be complacent. But if there's ever been a day and an age in which we've got to have a strong church with a strong move of God, it's this day. If there's ever been a day when we need the Holy Ghost to be poured out every time we come into the house of God, it's this day. We're here today in revolution. What do you say we have a revolution against apathy? What do you say we have a revolution against complacency? What do you say today we have a revolution against indifference and say, God, we want an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Why don't somebody lift up your hands right now? Why don't somebody lift up your hands? Come on, just for a moment, lift up your hands. Hallelujah. You can be seated if you want. But many today in the world that we live in, we're satisfied with a replacement. It can be a little watered down. I've been to a lot of churches where the attitude is, we'd like to have a move of God, but if not, we'll try again next service. Uh, We'd love for God to come down and transform some things, but if not, if not, we'll try again the next service. We're learning how to substitute a real move of the Holy Ghost. What we lack in prayer, we make up in study. What do we lack in consecration? We make up in programs and entertainment. What do we lack in dedication? We make up in intellect. Listen to this one right here. What do we lack in anointing? We make up in talent. 
but we lack an anointing. We've learned how to make it up in talent, but I just want to preach to this youth group here today. I want to preach to this youth meeting and tell you there is no replacement for walking in the Holy Ghost. There's no replacement for walking in the Spirit. There's no replacement for the power that comes through praying in the Holy Ghost. And there's no replacement for a real raw anointing of God. You can be seated today. Let me hurry. And I want to quickly share with you, I hope it'll be quick, a story about some people who learned how to replace God. A people, a story about some people who learned how to go on about their lives without the presence of God. Uh, in fact, all throughout the Bible, uh, one common theme you'll see is a God who desired to have a relationship with his people. And you'll read about a people who always seem to want to replace them with something else. But I want to take you today all the way back to the book of Genesis. All the way back to the book of beginnings and show you a world where your every need is taken care of. Uh, You have communication with God each and every day. Every need that you have, God has provided for. But just like the Bible says, man begin to seek out a replacement. The Bible says man in the beginning was made upright before God. Adam was made upright. But somewhere, he and his wife uh, found themselves wanting to replace God. They only had one commandment. And that was this, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. Uh, he taught him, you can freely eat of any of the other trees in the garden, but uh, you've got to trust me and just not uh, not eat of this one. And you may not understand it, but... I don't want this to be a forced relationship. Uh, I don't want to force you into loving me and serving me, but I want you to serve me because you love me. I want you to serve me because you want to be pleasing to me. Uh, But the Bible says Adam was made upright before God. The day came when Eve was out in the garden and the serpent came up to her and began to tempt her. I want to remind a young person today, it's not a sin to be tempted But it is a sin to fall to the temptation. Uh, It is a sin to entertain the temptation. Uh, It is a sin to flirt with the temptation. But he fell to the temptation. We read them that Adam went and fell. and uh, They reject the plan that God had for their lives. Uh, They rejected the relationship that God wanted with them. Like I said all throughout the Bible you read about people uh, who just learn how to replace God. You read about kings who replaced God with their greed and their lust for power. Uh, In the New Testament, you read about religion, who replaced God with their dead religion and with their rituals and routine. And Adam did not know it, but on that day, he caused sin to enter into the world. The Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And as is the case every time with sin... It not only affected him, uh, he not only had to pay the price for it, but it affected his children. And it affected their children. And the same is true today. When you live in sin, just let me tell you, it's not only that you're messing up yourself. uh, It's not only that you're playing games with your own soul, but you're messing around with the souls of people that are around you. Uh, But I want to quickly give you a, a story about one of Adam's sons, in particular by the name of Cain. 
I want to give you some of the background of Cain. Uh, We know from reading the word of God that Cain had been in the presence of God. Uh, Cain had uh, made sacrifices to God. Uh, Let me say it like this in our terms. Cain had been to many a church service. Uh, Cain had been to many an altar call. Maybe Cain had been to a youth meeting just like you're in today. And maybe he knew what it was to go through the motions. But somewhere something got twisted in the mind of Cain and he began to think that he could do it his own way. He began to have some seed of rebellion that was sown in his heart and he started thinking that his way was better than God's way. He brought a sacrifice to the Lord that was unacceptable. I know I'm slowing down just for a moment. But the Bible says that the Lord had no respect for the offering of Cain. Because of this, the countenance of Cain was fallen. The Bible says he was very wroth. He was angry. The Lord came to Cain and he said, Cain, why are you so angry? Uh, Why are you so upset? And God extends a hand of mercy and grace to him. When he said, don't you know if you do well? Don't you know if uh, you'll bring an acceptable offering that I'll forgive you? I'll accept your sacrifice. Uh, Don't you know everything will be okay if you'll just fix your attitude? You'll just get that rebellion out of your heart. Then God delivers what in my mind is one of the scariest verses in all of the Bible. And that's when God said this. He said, Cain, if you don't do what's well, or if you don't do what's right, God said sin is lying at the door. Another translation says sin is crouching at the door and you are sin's desire. And Cain, sin doesn't want to just stay at the door, but it wants to come inside and consume you. I want to tell you today, it's still true. The same is true today when you become rebellious. I realize I'm not talking to the majority today. I pray I'm not. But when you become rebellious, when you can't take correction, when you can't take being submitted to a man of God, when you can't take a pastor every once in a while sticking his finger in your face and saying you're wrong, let me tell you, you're in a very dangerous place. I want to tell you, the adversary is a good adversary. The devil is good at what he does. He doesn't take days off. He doesn't care if you just talked in tongues. He doesn't care if you're a preacher and just got done walking in the Holy Ghost. He doesn't care if you're a worship leader. Your position does not exempt you from the following statement sin is lying at the door let me preach right now to every young man and young woman let me preach to every preacher and preacher's son let me preach to every person listening on Holy Ghost radio and the message is all the same sin is lying at the door You know why you can't take a day off? Because your adversary doesn't take a day off. You know why you can't miss a day? Because your adversary does not miss a day. You can't let your guard down because he won't let his guard down. I want to tell you, I feel in the Holy Ghost that some of us have been opening up the door to some things that have come to consume us. I want to preach to you. I want to tell you, you better not open up the door. You better not even crack the door. I want to go as far to say, you better not even turn that knob. You don't realize the ugly beast that's on the other side.
I thank God that he's kept me from a lot of things. But there's some men and women in this house who could testify. I didn't know what was on the other side of that door. But when I opened it, it was an ugly beast of sin. And it came in and consumed my life. Hear me today when I say there's no such thing as a sin that does not separate from God. No such thing. There's no such thing as a sin that God does not hate. And there's no such thing as a sin that won't send you to hell. We still preach against little sins. We don't only preach against the big stuff. We still preach against little stuff. Why? Because little sins can grow. And and that's why we preach against having pet sins and and closet sins. Well, it's so small. It it seems so innocent. I want to tell you, the more you feed that thing, the more you feed your lust, the more you feed your rebellion, the more that thing will grow until one day it becomes big enough to consume you. be seated today the bible tells us your adversary goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour you better not open up the door back to the story of Cain God gave him an opportunity to do right Uh, God gave him a warning about sin but with that warning God also gave him mercy Uh, he said If you do well, I'll accept you. But if you don't do well, sin's lying at the door. And that day, Cain came to a crossroad in his life. Uh, He had a decision to make. He could either humble himself and do what God told him to do, uh, bring an acceptable offering to God, or, or he could do it his way and do everything he could do to try to replace this God who wanted to have a relationship with him. We all know today the choice that he made. Uh, We all know the decision that he made. After God warned him about sin lying at the door, we know what he did. He went and opened up that door. Uh, The Bible tells us that from one verse to the next, one verse God extends mercy. The very next verse, the Bible says, Cain goes out of the presence of the Lord and he killed his own brother. He killed his own brother. No doubt the haunting memories of that day would play over and over in his mind the image of his brother's blood on his hands. The image of the body of Abel falling to the ground lifeless. The mistake of Cain's life. And Cain, he didn't have to end like this. Uh, Don't you know if you would have just done right, uh, it could have ended so much better. But when you open up the door to sin... He'll do things you never imagined you'd do. When you open up that door to sin, when you're watching things, you know you ought not to be watching. Having relationships. I'm speaking to young people tonight. Having relationships we know we ought not to be having. Entertaining things, entertaining spirits. Uh, they may seem so innocent on the outside. But how many times have we heard the same story? Well, I never intended to go this far. I I didn't know it would bring me this far. Just let me tell you, when you open up that door, when you allow sin 
to come into your life and will consume you and you'll do things you never thought you'd do. I will be the first to tell you today. I'll be the first to tell you. Sin has a way of looking pleasant. Can I get an amen from any honest people? Sin sometimes looks so good. But there's nothing more deceptive than sin. I want to tell some of you today. Some of you are just like Eve. Eve allowed something that should have scared her to seduce her. There's some of us today that things have entered into our lives. They ought to scare you. But you've allowed it somehow to creep in and you found yourself being seduced by it. And I believe there's things in your life that have entered for the singular purpose of destroying your future with God. That's just what I believe. Be seated today. But somewhere deep down in the heart of Cain was a beast of sin. And it manifested itself to the murder of his own brother. Can I tell you today that there's still nothing good in your flesh? You can't trust your flesh. What did Paul say? He said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good. Uh, I just can't find it. What does that mean for us today? Paul was saying, look here. I might be a preacher. I might be an apostle. I might be full of the Holy Ghost. I may have written books inspired by God. But let me tell you, I still fight the flesh. I still have to crucify the flesh. My God, what makes us think that if he had to fight his flesh, that you wouldn't have to fight yours? If he had to crucify his flesh, you've got to crucify yours. If he had to pray in the Holy Ghost, you've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. There's nothing good in your flesh. Look, I've only been, I've been full time for close to a year. So I'm not far along the road. I'm new. I'm absolutely the new kid on the block. But let me tell you, even me, I remember being a young teenager and thinking that, well, if I become a preacher, I'm sure a lot of this will die down. I won't have to fight it like I used to fight it. But I want to tell you, I fight things just as much now as I ever have. I still fight the flesh. I fight carnality. I can fight bitterness at times. What am I saying? Your position makes no difference of what you have to fight. I don't care how high you get in God. I don't care if you just got done praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't care if you just got done walking in the Holy Ghost. Each and every day, you've got to crucify your flesh. If I could borrow a statement from Bishop Holmes, you've got to grab yourself by the nap of the neck and say you're going to pray. I don't care what you want to do. I don't care if you're tired. You're making time to pray. The day you think you can make it without prayer is the day you begin to fall. We come in on Sunday. We get a good touch. You can be seated. God moves. We get a renewing of the Holy Ghost. 
maybe we get a word from God. You wake up Monday and, my God, church was good last night. My God, I got a blessing. And we'll go a day and think, because we got so much yesterday, we're okay for today. Well, I got such a good touch of revolution, I, I can take the next, the next couple of days off. The reason in the Old Testament the children of Israel had to gather manna each and every day was because God wanted them to realize every day you've got to come and get what you need from me. You can't get enough for one week in one service. You can't get enough Holy Ghost tonight to last you for the next three days. Can I get an amen here today? You can't get enough in one service to last you for a week. But when you wake up on Monday morning, hit your knees and begin to pray. Before you go to bed Monday night, hit your knees and say a prayer. Make sure you get off by yourself and get a hold of God. I promise I'm trying to hurry today. But we know the old saying, what's in the well is going to come up in the bucket. It'll manifest itself. You may think you're hiding it. You can't hide it from God. But deep down in the inside of Cain was evil. Who knows? Maybe his parents didn't know anything was wrong. Maybe Abel didn't even know anything was wrong. But there was something that was birthed somewhere on the inside of Cain. And he found himself killing his own brother. And Cain had every opportunity to do right. Uh, no doubt he ever uh, imagined, he never imagined that he would kill his own brother. You can be seated today. Uh, he didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm going to go kill my brother. But it was something that was brewing on the inside of him. Uh, some evil that we don't know how it got in, other than Cain let it in. But it got in somewhere. Uh, and he did something he never imagined he'd do. He found that sin was more than he'd bargained for. Uh, he found it was more than he'd ever thought it would be. And I promise today, I, I'm not just trying to harp on the same thing over and over again. Uh, I'm really not trying to beat a dead horse, but let me just say what I feel. Some of you think you can entertain sin and be okay. You think you'll be the exception to the rule. I can handle this. Uh, I should be able to deal with this. That's why some of us live our lives the way that we do. But just hear me today when I say you can't handle sin. But sin will handle you. You can't deal with sin. But sin will deal with you. I want to tell a young person today. It just starts with a little rebellion. Uh, it just wants, it just starts with not wanting to be told what to do. Just a little compromise. Just watching a clip here or there. It's on YouTube. It can't be that bad. When the young people know what I'm talking about today, it can start with a photo on Instagram. I'm a young man. I'm 22. I'm the same age as a lot of you. I know what we fight. I know what we deal with. 
I talk to other young people. I know what we fight and I know what, what trips us up and I know what stumbles us up. And I want to tell you, it doesn't start with something big, but it starts with a video clip here or there. It starts with a picture here or there. And before you know it, you're looking at things you ought not to be looking at. You're doing things you should never be doing. Be seated today. I might get in trouble on this one. There's a lot of people from Buford here, and we love volleyball in Buford. It's just what I thought of. The Bible says our God is a jealous God. He's jealous. He's jealous of what we do with our time. I just want to say this. Get mad at me if you want. My pastor's here. He's got no problem correcting me. I promise you that. But our God's a jealous God. He cares what we do with our time. And I just can't imagine God likes it too much when we've got no problem several nights a week going and playing volleyball for three or four hours. And we hadn't even spent 30 minutes in prayer. We have no problem playing basketball from 7 to 10, but, but we sure won't spend 30 minutes in prayer. We can play video games for hours at a time, but we can't even spend half an hour in prayer. God's got to shake up our priorities every once in a while. Can I tell you, we build our relationships so much with our friends. And we need friends. I need friends. No man is an island. Isolation is dangerous. But you can spend weeks building a relationship with your buddy and spend no time building a relationship with God. You say, well, my pastor's restrictive. Uh, my pastor just, he, he's out of touch. I know he says don't wear this, but he, he's not my age. He doesn't understand the way that we live our lives. He don't understand what's cool. Uh, my pastor is just trying to control my life and tell me what to do. Let me tell somebody today, you better thank God for a pastor who cares more about your soul than he does about your feelings. You better thank God for a pastor who's not just concerned about your tithe, who's not just concerned about your offering, but he wants to make sure you're right with God. He wants to make sure you're ready when the trumpet sounds. Be seated today. I'm taking way longer than I intended already. Please forgive me. God says to Cain, where's your brother? And Cain lies to God. He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? So now it seems that he's at a place where he can't even feel conviction anymore. He's in the presence of God, talking to God. And he lies. Uh, I remember a story. I don't think I was more than probably eight or nine years old at the time, but I've never been able to forget it. Uh, There was a girl in the youth group, in our youth group. Uh, She was probably 17 or 18 at the time, and uh, it seemed like she always was getting into trouble. Uh, She just couldn't live right. Uh, She'd get a touch here or there, but it was never enough to really change her. And she was talking to another girl in the youth group. And I remember exactly where I was when I was told this story. 
But she was in the bathroom with another girl from the youth group. And she told her, she said, you know, it used to be when I'd do bad things, when I'd live in sin, uh, when I'd mess with this person and do this and do that. She said, my conscience would keep me up at night. She said, I couldn't sleep. He says, God, just I just couldn't get away from it. But she said, it's been so many months that I've been doing it, that I haven't repented, that I didn't get it out of my heart. She said, it's great. She said, now I can do whatever I want to do. and I don't feel bad about it anymore. She said, I can live how I want to live. I can run off and do this, but I can come back to church and I feel fine. Let me tell you, if you get to the place in your life where you can live in sin and you don't feel conviction, you better shake yourself. If you can live however you want to live and it doesn't bother you anymore, you better pray today, God, reignite my conscience. Reignite my conscience. I thank God for something on the inside of me that when I'm doing wrong says, you know you're doing wrong. I don't want to ever lose that. I don't want to live how I want to live and do what I want to do and not feel bad about it. But I pray if I'm doing stupid things and I'm living like an idiot, I pray that God would shake me. I pray that God would put rocks in my bed so I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. You may be seated today. God told Cain, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I can hear the voice of your brother's blood. It's crying to me. God said, because of what you've done, I'm going to put a mark on you. I'm going to put a curse on you. Uh, And you're going to be a fugitive. You're going to be a vagabond. Uh, You're going to wander here and there and you'll have no purpose in life. Let me tell you, you have no purpose without God. God said, since I'm not in your life, you have no purpose. You will find no fulfillment and you will have no satisfaction. I don't care what you do. You won't find satisfaction without me. And God said, her Cain said, God, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Uh, I think you're being a little too hard on me, God. When I think about the nature of God, uh, even in this moment after he had killed his own brother and done all the things that he did, I can't help but hope and believe that if Cain would have repented in that moment, if Cain would have said, I know I did wrong, that, that God still would have extended a hand of mercy to him, even after all that he had done. But Cain cared more about the consequences of sin than he did about actually fixing the problem in his heart. You ever seen somebody sorry they got caught, but not sorry they did it? There's people that they're sorry the consequences of sin, but they're not sorry that sin is what's separating them from the presence of God. He said, my punishment is too great. I can't deal with this. He said, I'm going to be a vagabond. I'm going to be a fugitive. He said, you're going to hide your face from me. He said, I may seek you, but I won't be able to find you. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I've heard it said that life is like a boomerang. What you throw out is going to come back again and get you. And Cain sowed a seed. And the consequences were worse than he'd ever thought it would be. The Bible says, and Cain 
went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Cain left the presence of God and dwelt in the land of Nod. Here is a man who at one time, could I say, had a relationship with God. I don't think I'm stretching it to say that. He had offered sacrifices to God. He talked with God. He knew what it was to feel God. He isn't a non-believer. He's not an atheist. He knows the power and authority of God. He knows there's a God in the heavens who wanted a relationship with him. But we find in this scripture where because of the sin of this man, he was sent out of the presence of God. Never again in the word of God do we read that he had another experience in the presence of God. This is the last verse you'll ever read where Cain was in the presence of God. Can you imagine with me today a man who's talked to God? Can you imagine with me today a man who's had a relationship with God? Who's felt God? Who knows the power of God? Who knows the authority of God? Never being able to feel his presence again. A man who God has spoken to him several times. Never being able to hear the voice of God again. I don't know if I believe that Cain just didn't love God. There's a chance, there's a good chance Cain did love God. But one of Cain's main problems was he didn't hate sin enough. I want to tell a young person today, it's not enough to love God. It's not enough to love the things that God loves. You've got to learn what it is to hate the things that God hates. We live in a day and age where it's all about acceptance. It's all about tolerance. Let me tell you, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. It's still wrong to be a homosexual. It's still wrong to live in fornication. It's still wrong to commit adultery. I want to tell you, we may live in a world of acceptance, but it's never okay to accept sin. We love the sinner, but we hate the sin. There's people that have been lost not because they didn't love God, but because they didn't hate sin. They didn't hate it. Please be seated today. I promise I won't be too much longer. But Cain must have known and understood that if he would ever have anything good out of life, if he would ever enjoy the simple things of life again, uh, if he would ever enjoy just waking up in the morning and being there with his family, Cain would have to do everything he could to replace God. Let me tell you, there's a void in your heart. Uh, I think it was my dad used to say that there's a God-sized hole in your heart that can only be filled by him. It's like getting a square cut out and trying to put a circle in there. It just don't work. You can try to fill it with other things. But nothing can take that void other than God. But as Cain went out of the presence of the Lord, he began a process of trying to replace God. Trying to forget about all the experiences in the presence of God. Uh, Trying to learn to do things his own way. Trying to forget about the mercy of God. Trying to forget about the time when God said, Cain, uh, if you do well, don't you know how to extend a hand of mercy? Trying to forget about the time when all he had to do was repent. All he had to do was offer an acceptable Sacrifice to God. Thinking about the time when he could have got it right. But I want to quickly today, very quickly, show you how this man tried to replace God. I want to show you how he tried to replace the void that was in his life that God had left with other things. 
Even after Cain went out of the presence of the Lord, the Bible will tell us what he did. Uh, the Bible tells us what the descendants of Cain did. You may think it's odd. You may think it's weird. Why didn't God forget about it? Why didn't God just drop the subject? Why do we need to know? I believe the reason it's recorded is because God wants to show what happens when a man tries to replace God. I believe it's because God wants to show what happens when a man who's had a relationship with God walks away from God. So, uh, he leaves the presence of God and dwells in the land of Nod. If you went home today and were to look up that word Nod, the land of Nod, what that literally means is a land of wandering. It means to be in a place of banishment. You can look it up. It means to be in a place of, of exile. You ever met somebody who's in the land of Nod? A place of wandering, uh, uh, kind of going aimlessly, aimlessly through life, uh, going throughout life without much purpose, going throughout life, not really having any ambitions and, and not really having any goals. And they go from one day to the next trying to find something to satisfy the void deep down on the inside. And they may stay up all night on social media and, and they wake up and, and they have nothing driving them, nothing motivating them to get up and do something. Let me tell you, they are in the land of not. They are in the land of wandering. But just like Cain, just like his descendants, please be seated today. If you ever enjoy life without God, if you ever enjoy life again after being in the presence of God, you're going to have to do everything you can to get your mind off of all the experiences you've had. You're going to have to do everything you can to replace that void you feel deep down on the inside. The way to do it is just stay busy. You ever met somebody who can't seem to rest? Always doing something? Always going? I remember a time in my life, uh, I was really struggling with some stuff. and It was the worst thing at that point that I had ever gone through. Uh, and I remember I just didn't really feel like I had much purpose. I didn't know if... I really didn't know what I believed, to be honest with you. I won't go into all of it today. Uh, so what did I do? What did I do? I stayed busy. I was in school, and as soon as I'd get done with school, I'd, I'd go call somebody, and I'd meet up with somebody. Uh, I'd go to the gym and spend time with people there. I'd, I'd invite somebody to go eat. I, I would just stay as busy as possible. Why? Because if I was to stop... If I was to slow down, this is the God's honest truth. If I was even to ride down the road and not have music playing, not have a voice, something talking, something to keep my mind off of it, I began having questions that I didn't know the answers to. I began to have that little voice speak to me in the back of my head that says, where are you going in your life? What are you really doing? Are you making anything out of yourself? I hear that little voice in my head that says, you know that you're not right with God. You ought to be praying. Uh, you ought to be making sure you got a relationship with God. But the way I kept those voices silent was I stayed busy. And that's why there's people that never seem to slow down. 
I'm thinking of backsliders right now. Whoever since they left church, they, they just go and go and go. And they're so obsessed with their careers and so obsessed with doing this and that. And the reason for that is because if they slow down, they'll start to think, my God, there's an eternity. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And I know if I die right now, I'm not ready to meet God. That's why we ride down the road and have music on. I'm telling you, in school, when I'd get out of my car, the first thing I'd do, I'd put my headphones in. I'd listen to something. Music, podcast, didn't really matter what it was. It was a distraction. It was something to keep my mind off God. It was some other voice to silence the voice that I really needed to be listening to. Let me ask somebody today. We all feel lonely at times. But have you ever been in a crowd of people and all of a sudden got a feeling that made you feel like you were by yourself? Even with family and friends, have you ever been there and just kind of started to feel a little bit like people didn't understand you? Started to feel like you just didn't fit in? I want to tell you, I believe God put that on you. I believe that's something so that every once in a while you'd get off by yourself and work on your relationship with God. Like I said, God put a hole in your heart that nothing else can fill but Him. I had a preacher several years ago uh, tell me something, and I've told uh, several of my buddies. Uh, but what he told me is he said loneliness, feeling lonely, uh, it can be one of God's greatest gifts. And I want to tell you at that time I didn't understand it. I thought he was wrong. And I really feel like I didn't start to understand it uh, at depth until this last year. But loneliness will drive you to depths that it seems that nothing else can. Now there's a difference between isolation and being lonely. I'm not talking about being isolated. I'm talking about being lonely. But the key is you have to learn how to take that loneliness and channel it in the right direction. You have to learn what to do through loneliness. I want to tell a young person here today that when you begin to feel lonely, don't feel like you're wrong or there's something wrong with you, but learn what it is to take that to God. That's something on the inside of you that God put there so you'd have a relationship with God. When you feel like you're by yourself, let me encourage you, get off by yourself and spend some time with God. Quit turning to friends when you feel lonely. Quit trying to talk to somebody else when you feel lonely. Quit getting on social media when you feel lonely get off by yourself in a prayer closet and begin to pray we feel lonely we do everybody in here at some point has felt lonely there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you learn what to do without loneliness. I know I already said it. Quit worrying about your relationship with everybody that's around you and worry about your relationship with the one who created you. So Cain went out of the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land 
of Nod. The very next verse, after the Bible tells us that Cain left the presence of God, the Bible tells us he built a city. You talk about a good way to stay busy. Build a city. You talk about a good way to keep your mind off of God. Keep your mind off of the relationship you had with God. He goes and stays busy. He builds a city. He has to. He's got to do something. Because he's tormented. You're not going to tell me Cain wasn't tormented. You're not going to tell me Cain didn't lay awake at night and think about what could have been. He laid awake at night. He tried to stay busy. Cain has, has kids and raises them to try to do it by themselves without God. Uh, when you try to do it without God, your world becomes twisted. You'll raise your children to try to do it without God. I want to tell you that's why our world is in the shape that it's in today. God has been taken out of school. God has been taken out of every area of our lives. And we wonder why our kids are growing up and they don't even know what gender they are anymore. And we wonder why kids are growing up and they don't feel that they have a purpose. My God, they're raised to believe that they're no different from an animal that's laying on the side of the road. They're raised to believe that they're no different from a dog or a cat. That's why there's little children on antidepressants. That's why there's little children that have anxiety because they've learned to replace God. Learn how to replace God. Moses begins to write about Cain, his children. We read one by the name of Lamech. He was the first man who ever participated in polygamy. He was the first man who ever had two wives. He had to fill his life with something. I wonder, did Cain ever tell his sons about God? Did Cain ever tell them why they were so restless? Why that there was something missing? Let me ask you here today. Have you ever gone throughout your world and told anybody, well, there's a void in their heart? Have you ever met with one of your friends who... Is struggling with things and they don't know God. Have you ever told them why they can't seem to find fulfillment in life? I wonder if Cain ever told his children about God. Lamech, the first man, had two wives. Uh, we read about another one by the name of Jabel. He was the first man who began to dwell in tents. Uh, he was the first man who the spirit of Nod was so deeply ingrained in him uh, that he could not sit still. He could not dwell in one place for any amount of time. Uh, he broke all the traditions of that age and went and began to live in tents. And uh, probably what happened is he'd stay in one place and, until he just couldn't take it anymore and he'd get up and move somewhere else. The first nomad we ever read about. Uh, next, we read about a man. You can be seated today. I'm sorry, I got a few of y'all standing. Uh, we read about a na- man by the name of Jubal. He was the man who created the harp and the organ. That's what the Bible says. Uh, so why am I telling you all this today? What does that have to do with anything I'm telling you? Because if you walk away from God, you got to stay busy. They stayed busy. Married more than one wife. Uh, Cain built a city. Creating instruments. Going here or there. Staying busy with different things of life. 
If you walk away from God, you're going to have to replace him with something. Would you lift your hands with me just for a moment and help me pray? Would somebody open up your mouth just for a moment? They can come to the music. I'm getting ready to close. Hallelujah. If you decide that this ain't for you, if you decide having a relationship with God is not for you, it's not something you want to do anymore, you're going to have to keep that hand busy. You're going to have to go through life and find something to try to satisfy that, that emptiness you feel. Nothing will ever take that loneliness but God. Nothing will ever take that loneliness but having a relationship with God. I want to preach to somebody today. I know I'm reaching for young people, but... I want to preach to every person in this house today. Tell you, you better not try to replace God. You better not try to do it by yourself. We serve a God of mercy. We serve a God of grace. I want to tell you, he's in this house today. His ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear. His arm is not too short that he cannot reach where you're at. I want to tell you, it wasn't just the sacrifice of Cain that was a problem. God wanted more than a sacrifice. God wanted Cain. It wasn't just an animal God was after. God wanted Cain. He wanted all of him. He wanted all of him, even with the bitterness. Even with all his problems, all his shortcomings, all his issues, God still desired Cain. And I want to tell a young person here today, God desires you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what what background you come from. God desires a relationship with you. You're looking for completeness. You're looking for something to fill that void. Paul said it like this. He said, ye are complete in him. What's that tell me? Without him, you're incomplete. And the only way you can be complete in him is if you give yourself completely to him. I'm hurrying to a close. I want to tell one last story and I'll get out of the way. There was a young man who was a preacher. Uh, They said he had a very special touch on his life. He had anointing on his life. They say that he was used in the prophetic. God really had something special for him. His pastor had warned him about a girl that he had become interested in. He told him, I just don't feel right about it. I think you need to stay away from this girl. The young man did not want to listen. He was so infatuated. He was so interested in this girl that he continued to have a relationship with her. Uh, Because he had to hide this, he began doing other things. He began going to parties. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard the story. It's been told all over Pentecost. But he began going to parties and 
uh, doing different things, began drinking and taking drugs. And he became so hooked on drugs, it started with marijuana. And as is usually the case with marijuana, it led to worse things and harder drugs. Uh, till it took more for him to get that high he wanted. Uh, they became so obsessed with the next high in life uh, that he and his store, he and his buddy, they ran out of money. They had spent everything they had on drugs, and they decided that they were going to rob a store to get money to buy more drugs. And by the time the night was over, the robbery did not go as planned. This young man, who was once a preacher, who was once so anointed of God, he found himself being charged not only with the armed robbery, but with first-degree murder. It didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. Because of the murder that he had committed, uh, he was sentenced to life in prison. And he told his brother, who was a preacher, he asked him to share a story all over Pentecost, share it at youth meetings, share it with young people, uh, and to tell them that it did not start with girls. It did start with women. It didn't start with drugs. It it didn't start with parties. It didn't start with drinking. But it started with a spirit of rebellion. It started with a spirit of disobedience. It started because he didn't want to be told what to do. He thought his pastor was just trying to control his life, was trying to micromanage him. He didn't want to be told what to do and how to do it. And the ironic thing about sin... Is now he's told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. He's told when to wake up, when to go to bed, when he can eat, when he can go outside. That's the irony of sin. You think you're in bondage to the church. You'll think that till you go out in the world and you become a slave to sin. I think there's some people who could testify of that today that, hey, sometimes it looks good and sometimes it looks pleasant and sometimes it may seem hard to do what's right. But when you go out in the world and sin runs your life, don't tell me you're in bondage until you talk with a drug addict who can't seem to get away from it. They know it's ripping their lives apart. But they can't get away from it. Why? Because sin is an evil master. Sin is an evil master. Just let me tell you, don't replace God. Everybody stand all over the house. Don't replace God. I felt in the Holy Ghost that there's some people here. I know there's always those at conferences who, you're here to meet people. You're here to meet a girl or a boy Uh, you're here for fun you're here to show off your outfit to to maybe just see what type of fellowship you can get but I want to tell you whether you realize it or not there's people in this building who came for a word from God there's people here today that I believe that came as a last resort that if they don't get it in revolution 2021 they might not ever get it So here's what I want us to do today. This may not have been for you. That's fine. But I know there's some people that this was for. If this wasn't for you, I'm asking you to help pray for somebody that it was for. Right now, lift up your hands. Come on, every head lifted right now. Every eye closed. Please, no looking around right now. Lot never got a relationship with God. 
Abraham walked with God, but Lot only walked with Abraham. You can't just walk with people that walk with God. You can't just have relationships and friendships with people that walk with God. But you've got to walk with God. Why don't somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now? Come on, church. Come on, I need some older parents to help me. Are there any mamas or daddies who'd help me pray for these young people? Are there any white-headed pillars here today who could get under the burden just for a few minutes? You don't know what these young people are fighting. You don't know what the person next to you is fighting. They may be trying to replace God. Why don't you pray God would get a hold of them today? Come on, parents. Pray for these kids like it was your kids. Come on, pray for them like you'd want somebody to pray for you. Don't replace God. Don't try to do it without God. You are complete in Him. You will find completeness no other place than in a prayer closet with God. I'm begging you to lift up your voice and help me pray today. I'm begging you to open up your mouth and help me pray. Right now, God, give that loneliness to God. Give that brokenness to God. Let those tears flow today. We'll shout tonight. We'll rejoice tonight. Why don't we pray? You've got to have a relationship. You've got to have a relationship. It's not enough for you to feel it right now. It's not enough to pray through every once in a while. On Monday, get up and pray. On Tuesday, get up and pray. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, don't miss a day. You've got to learn there's a difference in praying and praying through. There's a difference in talking to God and praying through. Every day, you got to pray through. I just believe we've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. And the only way to be full of the Holy Ghost is to talk in tongues every day. Let me hear somebody pray. Let me hear somebody lift up your voice. Come on, young people. Come on, saints of God. Come on, young man and young woman with the call of God on your life. You've got an anointing. You've got a special touch. 
Don't replace God. Don't replace God. Don't replace God. Come on, young people. Don't let it be said of you that you went out of the presence of God. Don't let the author pick up the pen today and say he went out of the presence of the God. She went out of the presence of God. Never again to feel this touch. Never again to feel the presence of God. He went out of revolution. Never again to have an anointing on his life. Never again to have a special touch on his life. Don't be a statistic. Let God touch you. Oh, you feel on the day. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself.